0: Welcome to this podcast of the Sunday Message from Hope Gateway in Portland, Maine. We'd love to have you join us for worship Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., currently on Zoom and broadcast live on Facebook. Visit our website at hopegateway.com to learn more. Whether you live near or far, we hope you find this message to be meaningful. Wherever you are, join us in doing justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly with God. Good morning, everyone. After that uh, children's sermon, Elizabeth, I don't think I really need to to give mine. Maybe I can just go back and sit down. That was great. Thank you. I'm calling this morning's sermon Jonah, God's Reluctant Prophet. Now, we all know the story of Jonah and the whale that we learned in Sunday school, perhaps, or even in children's books that you can buy in any secular bookstore, you find the story there. And I remembered being a bit disillusioned when I later discovered that the Bible actually says nothing about a whale. It just says that Jonah was swallowed by a big fish. Anyway, it's a whale of a tail. Whether uh, wh- whether the fish was had fins or a waterspout, we don't know. Anyway, neither Jewish nor Christian interpreters ever thought about it as a story about a real person who actually existed named Jonah. Rather, it was always understood as a kind of once upon a time story a fable or a moral parable that packs a powerful truth about God and about us. And in keeping with our series theme of water, there will be enough water in this tale to make some of us a little less eager to board a boat right away. Jonah is a very short book, uh, but unlike most other books in the Bible, it's not the kind where you can sort of pick out a single passage from the book and then sort of build a sermon around it. As we looked at it, it just seemed that the whole book has to be kind of taken entire because it's really just a single simple story. And the message it conveys is both so simple that even children can get it, which is why many of us learned it first as young children, but it's also so complex that its depths can hardly ever be plumbed. So we're going to be reading most of the story this morning with a few bits left out for time considerations. But I'm going to let most of the preaching be done by uh, a friend of mine that I never knew in person, but who I've, whose acquaintance I've made with through his marvelous little book called You, Jonah. He was a Presbyterian minister and well-known poet who died in 1999, Thomas John Carlyle. And several of his poems are gonna be interspersed this morning with uh, at appropriate points in the story. And I'll only be able to share a few of them uh, because of time constraints, but I think you'll appreciate how they illuminate and give us some pretty powerful takeaways from this very familiar but Very deep story. So we're going to begin with the the scripture itself. The Lord's word came to Jonah, Amittai's son. Get up and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it for their evil has come to my attention. So Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship headed for Tarshish. He paid the fare and went aboard to go with them to Tarshish away from the Lord. None of these place names are very familiar to us today, are they? Nineveh was the capital of the long-vanished Assyrian Empire which had conquered Israel hundreds of years earlier. So it was always thought of as an evil place. So maybe... We can get the picture by thinking of Jonah living in Chicago and being called to preach God's message in Sin City, Las Vegas, Nevada. And Jonah responds by immediately booking a flight to Miami to board a cruise ship bound for the Caribbean. Exactly in the opposite direction and about as far from Sin City and from God as possible. Here's how Thomas Carlyle sees that it's called coming and going. The word came and he went in the other direction. God said, Cry tears of compassion, tears of repentance. Cry against the reek of unrighteousness. Cry for the right turn, the contrite spirit. And Jonah rose and fled in tearless silence. Or this one, Let's Play It Cool, where Jonah is speaking to God. I know a better way to circumvent your silly streak of mixing love with righteous judgment. All I need to do is take the next flight west, beyond your jurisdiction. This will give you time for sober second thoughts. Swear off this kick of simple-minded kindness. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, so that there was a great storm on the sea. The ship looked like it might be broken in pieces. The sailors were terrified, and each one cried out to his God. They hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to make it lighter. Now Jonah had gone down into the hold of the vessel to lie down, and he was deep in sleep. The ship's officer came and said to him, How can you possibly be sleeping so deeply? Get up! Call upon your God! God! Perhaps the God will give some thought to us so that we won't perish. Then the men were terrified and said to him, what have you done? For the men knew that Jonah was fleeing from the Lord because he had told them. They said to him, what will we do about you so that the sea will become calm around us? The sea was continuing to rage. So Jonah said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm around you. I know it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. The men rode to try to reach dry land, but they couldn't manage it because the sea continued to rage against them. So they called on the Lord saying, Please, Lord, don't let us perish on account of this man's life and don't blame us for his innocent blood. You are the Lord. Whatever you want, you can do. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased its raging. Meanwhile, the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. So Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Early Christian interpreters of this story often linked this Line that I just read about Jonah being in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights with, with the resurrection of Jesus, the three days and three nights that Jesus' body was in the tomb. In much early Christian art and sculpture, and particularly on the stone altars in early churches, and particularly also on stone coffins of Christians who had died, various carvings, bas-reliefs, many of them, of Jonah and the fish were often carved as a witness to the hope of resurrection. We'll continue the story. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. I called out to the Lord in my distress and he answered me. From the belly of the underworld I cried out for help. You have heard my voice. You had cast me into the depths of the hearts of the sea and the floods surrounds me. All your strong waves and all your rushing water passed over me. So I said, I have been driven away from your sight. Will I ever again look on your holy temple? When my endurance was weakening, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you, to your holy temple. Then the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out onto dry land. Here's Thomas Carlyle again. Just. If you just rescue me from this unpalatable predicament, just fish me out of this hot water, get me off the hook. You can just bet I will not only be excessively obliged, but also gladly go wherever you oblige me to go, even if it means that tour to Nineveh. And this one called flight control. Though Jonah paid full fare, small fee for his insurance from Providence, he thought, he lost his ticket. When he took the plunge, adding water, extended his passport, and the escort vessel, which took him on in open-mouthed amazement, impressed by his sensational credentials, round-tripped him free on orders from flight control. The Lord's word came to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to Nineveh, that great city, and declare against it the proclamation that I am commanding you. And Jonah got up and went to Nineveh according to the Lord's word. Now Nineveh was indeed an enormous city, a three days walk across. The great intruder. It is exasperating to be called so persistently when the last thing we want to do is get up and go. But God elects to keep on haunting like some holy ghost. Counselor to the Almighty Think twice before you pardon. Men repent even in ashes, but repent again of their repentance. Take the wiser bias of my advice. Confine your charity to such good neighbors as your humble servant. I don't know about you, but this next very short poem (laughs) snags me all the time. Especially in light of the political divides in our country right now. I don't really want to hear this question. I hate God's enemies with a perfect hatred. Why can't God do as much? Jonah started into the city, walking one day, and he cried out, Just 40 days more, and Nineveh will be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God they proclaimed a fast and put on mourning clothes from the great, greatest of them to the least of them. And when word of it reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne and stripped off his robe and covered himself with mourning clothes and sat in ashes. And then he announced in Nineveh by the decree of the king and his officials, neither human nor animal, cattle or flock will taste anything, no grazing, no drinking water, let humans and animals alike put on morning clothes and let them call on God forcefully and let all persons stop their evil behavior and the violence that's under their control. God saw what they were doing, that they had ceased their evil behavior. So God stopped planning to destroy them and he didn't do it. Intercession. Abraham interceded for Sodom, but Jonah couldn't have cared less. If Nineveh had harbored one relatively innocent inhabitant, or even 120, they all looked alike to him, seeing that he hadn't really tried to see them. But God's vision, is better than 2020. Limitation. God changed his mind because they changed their hearts. God repented because they repented. This is the way we word it sometimes, but always God is limited only by his limitless love. But Jonah thought this was utterly wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, come on, Lord. Wasn't this precisely my point when I was back in my own land? This is why I fled to Tarshish earlier, or to Miami. I know that you are a merciful and compassionate God, very patient, full of faithful love, and willing not to destroy. At this point, Lord, you might as well take my life from me because it would be better for me to die than to live. The Lord responded, Is your anger a good thing? But Jonah went out from the city and sat down east of the city, and there he made himself a little hut and sat under it in the shade to see what would happen to the city. As far as he he was concerned. Long before the worm sunk his mandibles into the tender tree, which tented the tight-lipped proclaimer of the irreversible verdict of infernity, something had withered in one who would not voluntary, volunteer to carry griefs or transgressions to those outside the camp. As far as he was concerned, it was their scourge and their burden, and he couldn't bear to think of their not bearing it. Tantrum. The generosity of God displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he slashed with angry prayer at the graciousness of the Almighty. I told you so, he screamed. I knew what you would do, you dirty forgiver. You bless your enemies and show kindness to those who despitefully use you. You, I would rather die than live in a world with a God like you. And don't try to forgive me either. Then the Lord God provided a shrub. Shades of Monty Python and the shrubbery. Remember that? And it grew up over Jonah, providing shade for his head and saving him from his misery. Jonah was very happy with the shrub. But God provided a worm the next day at dawn, and it attacked the shrub so that it died. And then as the sun rose, God provided a dry east wind, and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint. And he begged that he might die, saying, It's better for me to die than to live. God said to Jonah, Is your anger about the shrub a good thing? Jonah said, Yes, my anger is good, even to the point of death. But the Lord said, You pitied the shrub for which you didn't work and which you didn't raise. It grew up in a night and perished in a night. And yet for my part, can't I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 humans who can't tell their right hand from their left and also many animals? And that's the end of the story. That's where it ends. With this unanswered question by God to Jonah. And in the story, Jonah never comes round to God's way of seeing things. It's very hard for Jonah. Justice certainly is for me and maybe for some of you too to see people, evil people, really bad people, malicious corrupt and violent people not getting their just desserts in the way that I would wish. Most of us have some kind of built in sense of justice, of right and wrong, don't we? And we do get angry when justice is absent or delayed. I spend far much time too much energy these days shouting at the TV news the, or the morning newspaper when all the public figures I despise never seem to have to pay a huge price for their sins. I absolutely sympathize with Jonah here. And as Carlyle put put it, he couldn't bear to think of them not bearing what they deserved. That's often the way I feel. I don't even pretend to understand God's calculus any better than Jonah did. But these final two poems make me think that maybe, just maybe, there's hope for me and for Jonah sitting under our respective worm-eaten shrubs nursing our grievances at God's seemingly casual Application of justice. Maybe they'll help us to begin seeing things through God's better than 2020 vision instead of our limited vision with our small souls. General Amnesty. Of the Lord's mercy, Nineveh was not consumed, nor Jonah, nor my small. coming around, and Jonah stalked to his shaded seat and waited for God to come around to his way of thinking. And God is still waiting for a whole host of Jonah's in their comfortable houses to come around to God's way of loving. May it be so. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. To hear more about Hope Gateway and to discover how together we can do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God, visit our website at hopegateway.com.